If you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which will be found in Ephesians chapter 6. Actually, two verses we'll look at this morning. We're going to look at more than that. But I call them bookends for this passage, which is very familiar to us all. And that is Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 18. They read this way. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art, how merciful thou art. I thank you, O Lord, for bringing us here this morning, preserving our freedoms, preserving our health, all that you are to thy people, O Lord. We ask and beseech thee at this hour that you would call us away from the things that easily fill our minds, schedule of the day, the schedule of the week, the things that are going on in our nation, the things going on in our own selves. Lord, I pray at this hour you would come in the power of your might to subdue the flesh, subdue our carnal nature, O Lord, bring us to thy feet to be instructed, and may you give us the mind of thy son. We ask this, Lord, for your glory and for your namesake, that all praise and honor belongs unto thee, for truly thou art worthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text this morning, we find uh, right in a spot that's pretty familiar to us, and most of us, as we turn to Ephesians 6, the first thing that comes to our mind is the armament that we're to put on or the Lord actually puts on. And it's funny, through my Christian life, I, I read a whole big series on the armor of God and, and I've heard a lot of messages about the armor of God. And sometimes, you know, when you think about the armor, you focus so much on the pieces of the battle and you miss the fact that uh, our text in verse 10 today is the whole key to everything in this book. And the key to what is the armor. I mean, we're told in here that it's not other than Christ, but at the same part, same time, in our carnality, we focus more on the battle sometimes, I think. And, well, what does this part do? Or what does the helmet do? Or what can the sword do? Or when, when in the totality of it all, it is the Lord Jesus Christ and how he works in the soul, in the battleground of our warfare every day, how the Lord works there. And so when we look at our, te our text, Paul, he starts this section, which is the last section of the book, with the word finally. So throughout this letter to his church at Ephesus to the to the elect there that he was writing to he says finally so he's mentioned um, throughout all that he's written so far he's talked about the union in Christ he's talked what is the unity of the spirit is with the believers he's talked about the eternality of Christ he's mentioned the Christian life and how the Lord is the Lord of that life he spoke about relationships between the husband and the wife, the relationships between the parents and their children, the relationships between servants and masters. 
And at the end of coming all the way to the end of this letter, he says, last but not least, and certainly not. It's like to tie it all together in everything that I've had to say. And he puts himself right there in union with his brethren. For what he's saying to them is what he's experienced. What he's saying to them, he knows he's in like kinship and their lives are going to mirror these things that he says are going to take place as well as his life has mirrored these things that are going to take place. And there's no mistaking, there's no getting around it that Paul, James, John, Jesus, everyone in this precious book, the prophets of old, they all speak of a warfare that the believer lives every day of his life. And Paul, at the end of this letter, after all those beautiful things and talking about the union, we know Ephesians 1, we can just get lost in there for hours. We could talk about the predestinating purpose of the Lord, the will of God in Christ as mentioned. I don't know how many times to show us the union. We could just get caught up and stay there and stay there. But that's heaven. And we're on this side. We're, we're on earth. And on earth there is a warfare. And he's telling his brethren and he's telling the ones that he loves and the ones in the faith, this is the culmination of everything that I've had to say. And, and now, after all of this, I'm going to focus on how this is accomplished. How the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Paul wrote in Philippians 1.6, he said he was confident of something. He said being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When Christ is formed in your soul, when you see only Christ, that's the victory in the warfare. Paul said Christ is faithful to do that. He's confident because the Lord has revealed to him in his life, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, he's experienced the Lord's presence so mightily that his power has been so mighty in his life. That it is a testimony of Paul, and I pray this morning, is the testimony of each one of us in here. Yes, even, even the youngest ones in here, if you've had struggles, that you've struggled with the flesh and the spirit. You understand that struggle. There's something in you that something's going on. That you don't wake up every day and everything's just great and blissful and because this isn't heaven. And certainly that was Paul's understanding and certainly that was Paul's experience and having begun in the Lord you know when Paul got knocked off that horse the Lord began with Paul and he began with Paul and he humbled Paul and he said Lord you're going to serve me all these days and Paul went and was blinded and was helpless and was totally dependent upon Christ to reveal himself to him and so he sat there for days until, and the Lord plowed him and showed him, this is your calling. This is what I have for you. I am your life. Paul said, I didn't confer with flesh and blood then. The Lord called me and, and separated me from my mother's womb. That amazing grace we just swung, sung about. How sweet is that sound? All of us should be able to. To go to a time, go to times, plural in our life that the Lord is so merciful to condescend in his great grace to speak to us, to carry us, to fight 
for us. Don't you understand the terminology Paul is using in our text in verse 10? It's in the power of his might. That is the entire focus of Paul is the power of his Lord and Savior's might. This is what Christ has done for me. This is how Christ wins the battle. This is how Christ is victorious in the warfare in the child of God's life. Paul had, as I said, experienced this. And Paul tells us, and the Word of God tells us, that never, never has a child of God lost this warfare. There is a war that will rage all of your life, but never, because we are preserved in the ark, in Christ Jesus, never has there been a saint that has been lost in this warfare. Never. The victory is always won. In Revelation 12, 11, John writes, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Because greater is he that's in us. That's the whole point. This warfare ends in victory. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 37, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors. That warfare, although it's ongoing, it's a battle won in eternity. I shouldn't say battle, I should say war, because there's many battles we feel like we lose in this warfare. We feel like we lose, but we don't if Romans 8, 28 is true. In all things the Lord works, and he works for his people, for the good of their souls, for them that love God, are called according to his purpose. Now, in the power of his might. I want to take us to a couple places this morning to just to show this morning Paul's experience and touch on it just a little bit. And, and the first one, and like I said, these are very familiar to us. The first one's in 2 Corinthians 12. And that should be a, a, a place we think, yes, that's, that's where Paul was buffeted. That's where Paul was sent the thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12. And and that's where we'll start this morning. And he says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations. And that, that's, that is mercy right there. That is the great mercy of God to send us a thorn in the flesh. Because Paul just told you, knowledge puffeth up. And as we grow and as we come and the Lord reveals himself more and more, that's what that is, a revelation. And as the Lord revealed himself to Paul, that old nature, that evil nature within us, it actually rises its head like, oh, look how smart I am. Oh, look, look at this relationship I have. Oh, maybe I'm special. Maybe the Lord only spoke to me this way and he's never spoke to anyone else. It's a humbling thing. And look at what Paul said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that the Lord has given me there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan. That's all we need to know about that thorn of flesh. That thorn in his flesh. We don't care what it was. It could be physical. It could be spiritual. Whatever it was, he saw it as a messenger of Satan coming and buffeting him over and over and over again. It was, a, it was part of his warfare. It was part of that attack. And we'll see that in the, as we go through the warfare. The wiles of the devil. Why is he mentioned above the, the, the self? And why is he mentioned above uh, the world? 
Because he was Christ's greatest enemy here on earth. And as he's Christ's greatest enemy here on earth, he's our greatest enemy. And I say, well, that, that's, quite a, that's quite a mouthful because we know that nature of ours is an enemy every day. We know it. We know that world out there and the allurements of it and the falseness of it, the false faith, the false graces, the false things that the world has are very much enticing to us, to that carnal nature. So he said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above match. Now look, this is Paul's experience. It means he was taught that. This is looking back at the, and, and the ongoingness of this. I know why the Lord sent it to me. He's telling us. He's not leaving us to go, oh Lord, why would you do such a thing? He's telling us, that he would not be exalted above measure. It's how the Lord humbled Paul. It's how he did it. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Whether that was three literal times. Whether that's the perfection of how many times he cried out to the Lord. Irrelevant. It means he asked the Lord at least three times to take this messenger of Satan away from him. Now understand Paul said he did that. But now he's been brought to the understanding that it was for his good. And yet there's times in our life, at least three here, that we didn't know it was for our good. So we cry out to the Lord, oh, please remove this. Remove this infirmity. Remove this problem that I'm having, Lord. It has to be better for me if you remove this problem. And yet the Lord doesn't. Because his sovereign will and purpose for our lives it's, of course, greater and higher knowledge than we have of what he has for us, what is good for us. And this is what verse 9 says. And he said unto me, this is what he says to all of his children in some measure, in some way. My grace, that amazing grace we just sang about. My grace is sufficient for thee. Is Christ sufficient for you? Remember, the beginning of our text this morning is be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. His might in grace. His might is the graces of Christ enough for us. For Paul, it was. For Paul, he said, he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength. My strength. That's what we're talking about this morning. The power of his might. When does the power of his might come? My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's the weakness that's in the vessel. That's the weakness that's in the receiving one, the receiving vessel. So it's not in our strength. It's not when our pride is exalted. It's not when we're up there in the, in the third heavens where Paul was called. It's not at that time. It's a time of humbling. It's a time for the Lord to reveal my strength is what carries you. My strength is why you believe. My strength is why you get up every morning. My strength is why you have faith to believe and have love to love one another and to love me with. My strength is a sustaining grace that sustains you every day. My grace is the reason you don't focus on the world and everything that's wrong in the world because your soul is where the battleground is. Your soul is what is most needful. Your soul is what you need to hear me speak to that my grace is sufficient for thee. That's, that's the battleground. 
That's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about the shield and we're talking about these things. The whole purpose of it is to show how active Christ is in our life. In the power of his might. This is Christ's answer to that. This is Christ's answer to the warfare. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. In weakness. Paul then, it's almost like this could start a whole nother thought. But it's in the same sentence. He says, most gladly. Paul had to be brought there. Remember, he's already asked the Lord three times. So there was a time of unbelief. There was a time of saying, I need this out of my life. Now, Paul says, the Lord gave me great joy in this thorn in my flesh. You believe that? How can that be? There, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. I'm thankful for my infirmities. I'm thankful that I have that thorn. I'm thankful that that, that was put in my life for me to depend upon his strength and not my own. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, when we're weak, the Lord's power and grace is sufficient. We have to be taught that. We have to be shown that over and over and over again. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. You think he's sadistic or something? You think he's sitting over there? We're looking at him going, well, you take, you were beaten and you were in shipwreck and you were, you had this thorn, Satan came and you take pleasure in it. No, it's faith speaking. This is the, the Lord in his soul. This is the Lord testifying to Paul. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak, when I'm humbled, then I'm strong. In the Lord, in the power of his might. Okay, turn with me over to Philippians 4. We know this one too. We know this one's very precious to us too. The end of Philippians 4. Notice these things coming at the end of letters. and So at the end of 4, we're going to pick up in 11. Paul, once again, testimony. And I'll say this too. We've read from Philippians. We're reading this morning our texts in Ephesians. We have Colossians. We have all of these letters Paul wrote while in prison in Rome. At the end of his life, while he's in prison... Satan says, you know what? I got the victory over this one. He's going to shut up now. He can't go from place to place. We've got him right where we want him. He can't spread the gospel anymore. And Paul is sitting there writing these precious letters that you and I are reading today. The Lord's truth is preserved throughout all everlasting. Everlasting gospel. Back to verse 11. Not that I, not that I speak in respect of one. Paul says, it's, I, I've learned something. I can't speak in respect of one. You and I today have a lot of wants. You and I have wants and desires. I woke up this morning, I could barely walk. I've got a problem in my back. I've got this affliction on my neck that I don't know what it is, but it keeps coming back. 
itch like crazy. I've asked the Lord to take it away many times. But the Lord says to me, my grace is sufficient. Right now, I don't feel either one of those. I feel the Lord's presence upon me. And so he says, I don't speak in respect of want. I have. I've, I've spoken many times in respect of want. But what the Lord has taught me is that I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And contentment is learned. It's learned in the school of Christ. But it's applied by the Holy Spirit. And it's brought forth by the Holy Spirit revealing to us the power of Christ in our soul. That's where contentment is. It's not in things. It's not in people. It's not in relationships. Paul's not saying that. I haven't, I haven't learned, okay, now I'm at the end of my life and I'm sitting here. I'm just giving up. I'm going to write letters. My life's over. I'm content now. No. This is soul work. So contentment is something he's learned by the power of Christ resting in his soul and teaching him over and over, this is what you need. This is what is most needful. This is what you must have. This is what I give. This is the day of my power. This is how it is performed. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Now think about that. You know, the first one we don't have much trouble with. We say, okay, yeah, I know how to be abased because those infirmities the Lord sends me, they knock me down. They put me in my bed at times. Sometimes I'm crying out to the Lord. Yep. We know how to be abased. But do we? Abasement is when the absence of pride. It's the absence of self-will. It's the absence of self-righteousness. The abasement is, it's all on you, Lord. Lord, you are my life. Without you, I can do nothing. Lord, you are my strength. I faint seeing all my enemies. If the Lord undid the veil over our eyes today and he showed us the wiles of the spiritual wickedness in high places and he showed us the devil always on us and he showed us the wickedness of how truly wicked our flesh is and he showed us how evil the world was, it would overcome us. It would drive us crazy, insanity. We would say there's no way we could live. That's the power of Christ. To say, yes, you are living in me, which is, he's going to tell you, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. The be hungry part is when we're at the end of ourselves and those infirmities, and the Lord gives us that desire for him. That hunger is always a desire given to us for his righteousness, for his life. But that part on abounding, do we know what it is to abound? You know, that's what we just learned in the last passage. It was like, I was abounding and the Lord sent a messenger of Satan. Because when we abound in our minds, and our we get puffed up. And we need the Lord to come down and say, you need to know your rightful position. This is what it is. Some of us in here might be offended at the word worm. We may look today and go, oh, I'm not a worm. Well, we have a lot of people in the scriptures called worms. That's a low being on the earth. That's our position. That's what, that's what we are. If you're ever given true insight into what your, your old nature is, you would say that you're a worm. At the very least. But what we are in Christ is nothing wormy at all. It is beauty. It is perfection. 
It is righteousness. It is love. It is peace. It is faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because the Lord is in my soul and he's the power I'll go back to our text now, Ephesians 6. Now we've looked at verse 10, our first verse. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We've seen that working in Paul's life. I hope the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning of how the power of the Lord's might has worked in your soul. And the difference, the power of your might and the power of his might. What does the power of your might get? And what does his bring? Because I'm going to show you what his brings now. Well, I'm not going to show you. I pray the Holy Spirit shows you. But as now we go further past verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. The most important word in that sentence is whole. Now, there might be some in here that says, oh, no, it's put. Put, I got to do it. No, no, no. The important word to the child of God who just heard that everything is in the strength of his Lord and has surrendered to his Lord and has been put at the feet of his Lord says, yes, it's the whole armor that I need. The wholeness of Jesus Christ. Everything that Christ is in my life. I need his love. I need his faith. I need his righteousness. I can't mix the two. I can't be partly righteous. I can't have part love. I can't have part faith. I need the Lord and all of his armor. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I told you why he's, he's mentioned. The greatest enemy to Christ on earth. The wiles of the wicked one is always on attack. We got him pictured as a roaring lion. We got him pictured as the angel of light one really scares me. Because that means he's coming not roaring where it's easier to detect. He's coming as a false witness. He's coming subtly. We saw that in the garden. He came subtly. So we need Christ always on guard, which he is. He's faithful to do so. You and I, not so much. We would fall asleep much, just like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Can you not watch with me? Can you not stay up? Yeah, Lord, we'll do it. We can. All of those things and all of that power needed is in the power of his might. The power of his might. Yes, we do wrestle against, and we need to stand. We need to stand. Because earlier in this book, Ephesians 4, Paul wrote, if you just turn a page over in 4.14, well, two pages for me, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they, they lie and wait to deceive. The whole armor of Christ is a preservation of the saint to keep him from what we just read, being tossed to and fro by every false doctrine, by every false voice, by every false everything we hear in this life. And there are many of them. 
The more I live on this earth, the more I hear and read every day, the more I know I need the Lord every day for truth. We're about to get the truth. Everything that we have need of is in Christ. If Christ says, I am truth, you and I are frivolous and ignorant to wake up every day and try to figure out what the truth is in the headlines. If Christ says he's truth, you and I, it's a front to him to say, oh, we know what the truth is. Yeah, we can just read and discern it on our own. Well, well I know what this person's thinking. I know what this person... Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. You know what kind of judges we'd be of the Apostle Paul when he was Saul? You know what kind of judges we'd be of Manasseh? You know what kind of judges we'd be of Mary Magdalene? We'd say all three of them were children of hell. And they were all children of the king. We need his wisdom. We need his truth and his knowledge. He tells us why in 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And we're not, not today. We don't have, we're not lined up to fight a physical warfare. This whole armor is about the spiritual battle in our soul. So Paul wants to make that clear. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul said in Psalm 138, 3, In the day when I cried, thou answerest me, and strengthen me with strength in my soul. That's the whole point of this verse. Understand, this is the warfare in your soul. This is what you're struggling with every day. You say, well, I don't have much of a struggle. I pity you. I pity you. You're the person that David wrote about in Psalms that said they have no changes. And as he pitied them and knew their end, I pity you and know your end. I pray to God that you have a struggle in your soul every day and that the Lord wins that warfare for you every day and reveals to you that he has fought the battle for you and won it. But it is real. It is real. Wherefore, because of what we struggle with, wherefore, now listen, this is like verily, verily to me. Jesus, when he said verily, verily, I mean, oh, perk your ears up. This is of an absolute truth. Well, Paul says something else. He said, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That's twice. He said it twice. It has great importance. Not a piece of the armor. Not a piece. Oh, well, I just need the sword of the Spirit. I, I just need the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is truth. Well, I, all I need is righteousness. And if I just knew truth, no, you need his righteousness to go with that truth. You need the entire gospel of peace, the gospel that he loves you and he, he gave his life for you, that he's put your sins away. That's what I said. This whole passage is not about a guy going to battle. It's spiritual battle in the soul for you and I. And I pray every day of our life as the Lord is faithful to reveal this to us. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Having done all to stand. In the, and it's almost like an exasperation, Paul says. You know, we've done all that we can do to stand. I I know, I, I get up and I read every day and I pray to the Lord and I, I, I try to commune with the Lord as much as I can and, and 
And all those things are wonderful if the Lord brings you there, if the Lord's in it, if the Lord's the author of it. Because therefore, it's the power of his might. It's the power of himself. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, now we get to the pieces. But as I said, it's not focus on the pieces, but on the attributes of Christ. Stand, therefore, having your loins go to battle with truth. Truth. So in this armament, in, the, in the, what Christ has for his people in spiritual warfare, in the power of his might, the first one is truth. Makes sense. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is something we in dire need. In, in Philipp, uh, earlier in this passage, in Ephesians 1, 13, Paul said, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There was three things in there. There was truth. There was faith and there was salvation. And all three of those we're going to hear is something or weapons of Christ that he preserves and protects us. in. And all of those things, that's what I say, you cannot separate these from Christ. You cannot separate these from Christ and say, okay, I need truth. Pilate tried to do it. Well, what is truth? Well, Pilate, all you have is the understanding of earthly truth. And you're trying to deduce what's earthly truth. You're, you're upset because you, you think Jesus is innocent, but yet these people out here are saying crucify him. I'm trying to get from A to B and it's not making any sense. What has he done? He hasn't done anything wrong. Well, you don't have the truth. The truth is he must lay down his life for his people. The truth is that God has ordained every one of those facets that will come together in his providence. And that his son at that appointed hour would die to save his people from their sins. And it was long done in eternity. This was the time that the Lord said, this will take place. It is truth. You and I are in dire need of our Savior, who is truth, to reveal to us what is truth. And you'll see, as I share some passages with you today, these cross over. I mean, we're going to see something else a minute about prayer. Truth is mentioned in because you can't separate them from the totality of Christ. That's why he said the whole armor of Christ. So at the end of this, uh, uh, not only truth, we were to have on the breastplate of righteousness. And we know that the armor is what's to protect us in the battle. So now we look at righteousness, and that means something to me. I mean, as soon as I hear that I need righteousness, it means the one I have can't be good enough. The truth I have can't be good enough. I need Christ's truth, and I certainly need his righteousness. Because mine, all of my righteousnesses, as Isaiah said, are as filthy rags. My wanting to do good, my wanting to, to justify what I do, that's filthy rags. Our righteousness is in Christ and Christ alone. Paul said it this way in Romans 5, in verse 18, he said, Therefore, as by the offense at one Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification for life. Do you hear that? By one, by one, Jesus Christ comes righteousness. And that righteousness alone justifies the sinner 
before God. That righteousness, not anything we've done, not anything we can point to, not anything we can say, I did this, I did that, that's filthy rags. Verse 21, same chapter, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so must grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Can't separate Christ from righteousness. Jeremiah said, in his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord, our righteousness. A few, cha a few chapters later, verses, I can't recall. The church says it's the Lord. The, the church says her righteousness. It's the Lord is her righteousness. We know that. We know that our righteousness must be Christ. That's why in the power of his might, when the Lord reveals his righteousness, that's humbling to us. It should never puff you up. Our righteousness puffs us up. His righteousness humbles us. Shows us that we're nothing without him. And finally in Philippians 3, 9, and being found in him, Paul, this is almost like him begging. You know, Lord, being found in you, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. You see how all these intertwine. The righteousness which is of God by faith. The faith to believe it in our mind, in our soul, in that battleground is by the power of his might. We haven't gotten to those yet. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How important is the gospel of peace? Is it peaceful to you that Jesus Christ came to die for his people? Well, it will be peaceful to you if he's revealed that you're one of them. It won't be peaceful for you if you have doubts that you're one of them. But don't dismay. We all have those doubts. But in the power of his might, he comes to assure us that you are in that number that he died for. But you could only hear it from him. It's not going to do you any good if I stand up here and I pronounce everybody in this room as saved elect people. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I discern. It matters what the Lord says in your soul, in the power of his mind, that you are one of his. That you are saved from the foundation of the world. That Christ came to die for your sins. And that you love because he loved you. And that you believe because of his faith. And that you trust because of his hope and faith. And all of that is because of Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is that he is the just and justifier of all of those who believe in him. So yes, it's definitely needed. The power of his might to reveal the gospel. This is the whole armor. Truth, righteousness, all that's in the gospel. The gospel is a big thing. So you might be sitting back there going, oh, well, the armor didn't mention love. Yes, it did. The gospel of peace. It didn't mention um, gentleness. Yes, it did. The gospel of peace. The everlasting gospel. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It's the power of God the salvation that what we're standing in the power of his might 
It's the power of God to reveal to us salvation that's in Christ and Christ. No other name given under heaven whereby men may be saved. Of course, we know that Revelation speaks of the everlasting gospel. And it is an everlasting gospel. It's something man can never quench. That man can never do away with. That's the victory that we hear today in this message. Is in the power of his might, the Lord always overcomes. Never has any of his children been defeated. The ones that have passed from this life are safe and secure in him in heaven. The ones that are still here on earth are safe and secure in him. Seated in heaven, but still live in hell. Above all, take the shield of faith. Above all, why? Well, faith is definitely needed down here, isn't it? We know it won't be needed in the life to come because we'll see him as he is. Down here, we certainly need that shield of faith wherever you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. There's a wicked one mentioned again because those fiery darts keep coming in. They may be coming in right now. Oh, am I a child of God? Maybe I haven't experienced this. Maybe this is, that's right, there's those fiery darts. I wish I could shield you from them, but I can't. But the Lord comes in the power of his might and gives you faith to believe that you're anointed. Gives you faith to believe in the blood, not only that it's covered your sins, but it's efficacious. That the power of the blood washes them all away and removes the guilty stain. That's what faith is. Faith credits what Christ has done. The Holy Spirit gives us faith. And as Paul tells us in Galatians 2.20, it's the faith of the Son of God. Habakkuk, Paul, all of us would know, would have us to know. That the just shall live by his faith. We live by his faith. Without it, it's impossible to please God. It credits, it believes who he is and what he's done. Well, how can I get in the power of his might? So that's what our text tells us. Be strong in the Lord. This is how we're strengthened in the Lord, in the power of his might, by his faith, by his strength to believe. And take the helmet of salvation salvation we just touched on these like i said they intertwine we need faith to believe in salvation but we need to believe in salvation that he did come that he did save to the uttermost that he does continue to lift us up out of the muck and mire and reveal to us what he did for us on the cross in the power of his might have you ever felt felt the power of salvation that you just the assurance of that day is, Lord, I know you've called me. I know that I'm yours. I have. I've experienced the other two. The doubts, the lack of faith. Me trying to muster up mine to say, well, let me go see if I can find some assurance. I can't find it myself. Because in myself dwells no good thing. Oh, Miss this verse on faith. Well, 1 John 5, 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
our faith. That's given to us. That's imputed to us. But it's the faith of Christ. Don't ever make, don't, oh, well, now it's mine. Now it's mine to exercise. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yours by imputation. The Lord gave it to you as a gift. And you'll exercise it. That gift doesn't come with batteries that you have to go with. That gift has power. And that gift comes in the sovereign will of our Lord. To wield it, as all of these do. Listen to the trinity of psalms by the, the um, psalmist David. Wrote them all. This is on salvation. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's the power of his might to show you not to fear. That's the power of his might to take that fear away. To show you that he's light. Psalm 35, 3. Draw and close. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. So what is that? Well, it's the rest for me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. So I said, it's important. We have to hear it from him. He speaks to every one of his sheep and they hear his voice and they follow him. And finally, in Psalm 37, 39, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trial. I don't know about you, but it seems like every day is filled with trouble. Trouble from within, trouble from without. He is the strength of our salvation from such trouble. He is our preserving grace. He is our strength in all times of need. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it, it, it should tell you the importance of the word of God. Big W, meaning Christ himself and the written word. It should tell you that in this armor that we can't neglect the word of God. It's very important that we know what it says. And only in the power of his might will he reveal it. Dear ones, he's not going to reveal it while it's over there on the coffee table. While it's under your bed. While it's in some room, you have no idea where it is. He speaks to us through his word. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Make them holy. Make them understand. That's where we understand who the Lord is in, our, in this, this great weapon that we have to grab. And Satan, you're wrong. The Lord says this. This is where he says. Sometimes I find myself saying, Satan, you're right. That accusation you just made, you're right. But his blood covers it. How do I know that? It's in here. He's written it on my heart, but he's written it here. To commune with me here when I read it. Oh, the Lord comes to me in the power of his might. This is for you. I'm saying this to your soul. And then after saying all of this this morning, after talking about the warfare, after talking about the power of the Lord in all of those attributes of Christ and all of them being Christ, he says this in 18, which is another weapon, by the way, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And then there's a qualifying verse part in the spirit. When the Spirit authors prayer, 
when the Spirit authors prayer, you pray for others. And I don't mean just, boy, I hope that goes well for them. No, I mean, you know what you you know the warfare in your life. So you should know what the one next to you is going through. That's the power of the Spirit. That's praying in the Spirit for one another. Praying in the Spirit is asking according to His will. That's what the Spirit does. It doesn't act contrary to Christ. What is Christ's will for your life? Stephanie and I have been talking about that a lot. Faced with some big decisions in our life. We're like, just got to hear from the shepherd. You got to hear, what is the Lord saying here? How is the Lord pleased in which way to do? What is he saying to me? Where is peace? Where is that gospel? Where is that truth? Where is, where is that? That's the, that's the weapon of prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Is that not the preservation of the saints right there? Of how the Lord preserves us in him and, and how prayer reaches out and asks the Lord to intervene in the lives of the ones we love. We know that have to struggle and the ones that look at that. Look at the beauty of the unity of the spirit. That's why the psalmist wrote that. Oh, how blessed it is that we dwell in the unity. Why? Because it hardly happens because of this warfare in every one of us. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You know, when I think of prayer, of course, I think of John 17 and how the Lord, through that prayer in union with his Father, revealed to us our union in the Trinity, our union in him, our union in that prayer life. That's powerful. It's powerful what he's done for us in the power of his might. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit makes groanings and uttering utters at the throne of grace that we don't even know because he knows what's best for us. That's why I remember I always started out with Paul. Paul didn't know that the messenger from Satan was something good for him. Kept asking the Lord to take it away. That's what you and I are. But he does know. Psalmist said in Psalm 138.3 in the day oh, I think I already read that one. Oh, okay, well, in the day when I cried Thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. That's what, that's what this morning is about. Lord, give me strength in my soul. Where does that come from? Well, let's read our text one more time. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. May the Lord be glorified. And may the Lord show us the way in this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, add thy power, thy clarity, for thy name's sake and for thy glory alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.